Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. <laughs> BFFT. From the Pack West Center in downtown Portland, presented by High Caliber Millwrights, here's John Canzano with the Bald Face Truth. Oregon State is undefeated, 3-0, playing at home on Saturday against USC. It's a sellout. Tickets on the secondary market. Prices starting to rise. Like a standing room only ticket is like 90 bucks now. $450 if you want to sit between the uh, 20s. Oregon State getting ready for a big matchup. Uh, they beat USC last year at the Coliseum. It was a big win for Jonathan Smith, and he's joining us now. How you doing, man? Yeah, doing doing well, man. In our routine here on a on a Wednesday, always something going on. But uh, obviously, getting getting pretty excited about a weekend uh, home game. You guys been playing that Trojan fight song at practice? Everybody seems to do that. Are you doing that? We are. We're intermixing, not the entire time of practice, but we intermix it. And, and again, the the logic there, they're going to bring their band and they're going to play that song quite a bit. And so we're just helping prepare them for the atmosphere on Saturday. The, are they, are you guys, you have a new sound system going in just for this game. Is that is that right? Have you heard it yet? Have you got a chance? Is that what you're playing this on? Uh, no, the the stadium we're we're bringing new sound in, and I've heard them test it here in my office. But we got our separate sound system on the practice field. Are you are you like you know leaning out your office window, going, "Hey, I'm trying to work here," while they're <laughs> doing the sound? Yeah, it's been the sound, or it's been the construction man. They got cranes going and hammering it away, which is awesome. But it does get a little distracting sometimes. How you fe- how are you feeling? How are you feeling about? You watch USC on film. What do you you know? You got a common opponent with Fresno State. What do you learn in looking at that tape? Well, they're just so explosive. I mean, offensively, they can score in a hurry. Obviously, it starts with the athletes they got. Quarterbacks as good as we'll see. You know, the scheme, the whole thing. They they can score. Um, and then defensively, you know, these guys have done a great job in the red zone, taking the ball away. And that's why you see such separation in these scores. They played in three games and beating people pretty handily. Offensively, uh, Chance Nolan's been been very good for you guys. Uh, what are you seeing in him that maybe is different than a year ago? Yeah, well, I think he starts with a little bit of his accuracy that stands out to me from a year ago. I think, he's been, especially the last couple of weeks, been accurate with the ball, um, pretty poised. You know, I go back to Fresno, needing a two two minute drives down the field gets that gets that accomplished. Um, and I think he's got a lot of trust with the guys around him now. I mean, he's put a lot of work in with that receiver tight end group. The whole line's protecting him pretty well. Um, so he's playing with confidence. Luke Musgraves, a lot of people asking me what's going on with him. Uh, I think you've already said he's out for this game. Is it a potential season ender, or is that still up in the air? Is he just healing? What's what's happening with him? Yeah, that's a, I, I wouldn't describe it as season ending at this point. Uh, he's obviously got to do some recovery. Um, but there's quite a bit of window on what, how quickly he recovers the window to you know, be able to play a football game, but it's not, not season-ending. You guys ran the ball in USC a year ago. You ran all over them, and, and I'm waiting for you guys to have that big run game performance. What have you seen with your guys this season 
that you know that you like and what do you need on Saturday against USC? Yeah, I think running the ball next Saturday, this Saturday will be huge because then you can possess it for a while. Because again, the longer that offense for theirs is on the sideline, the better. Um, I've seen some you know good flashes, uh, physical play at our run game in the old line and and that again we played some solid defenses against the run. I mean Boise did a good job and Fresno. Uh, and we've hurt ourselves with some penalties getting us in the down the distances where we're not seeing the same pictures to run the ball. So uh, all in all, it's a constant state of improvement, and we know we got uh, a big-time opponent that a run game will, would be huge in this in this game. You grew up going to USC games, you know, sitting on the, what, 40-yard line at the Coliseum or wherever you guys sat, and, you know, this is – I think it meant a lot to you last year when you went to the Coliseum and won – um, what did that mean to you? If we could just look back at a year ago, like it was a pretty validating win for the program. Yeah, no question. Uh, and again, my, my background, going to a bunch of those games growing up, uh, and, and that's a historic, special place, the Coliseum. I mean, we've talked about it all the way back to when the Dodgers were playing there and Jackie Robinson and the Olympics and obviously the history and tradition of SC football. So to go down there and get a win was 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 meaningful. Oregon State hadn't done it in so long, that type of thing. And but obviously you flip the script. It's a brand new year. This is really a new team with so many new players, new coaches. Um, but we get them in at our place and counting on Research Stadium be rocking again. The the yeah you you've been there for one game, the Boise State opener. You'll get your first conference game there. What do you need from that home crowd on Saturday? Yeah, we need to affect their their offense. I mean, let's face it. So as loud as we can get first, second, and third down, not just waiting on third down to break up the chainsaw. We need to go in first, second, third to create some confusion. These guys haven't faced much adversity. Let's face it, they haven't turned it over in three games. Credit to them. They've played one road game at Stanford, which half that crowd was USC fans. I mean, we need the home field advantage. We need the crowd jumping and going from from the start uh, to try to affect those guys. I was playing a clip earlier in the show of uh, Paul Feinbaum, who is on the East coast of course and you know he's an sec guy but he was talking about usc and i think he said something that was really disrespectful to you guys and the rest of the conference he pretty much said they're they're not going to get tested you know usc's not going to get tested it how does that sit with you or in in your team when you hear stuff like that well yeah i actually don't don't agree and i can't i'm not just speaking for oregon state i think this league will test them for sure i think lincoln would say the same thing um, there's some good football getting played. I look at the Pac-12 North especially. I think look at Utah. They're going to play Utah. Um, again, I know they skipped some teams uh, in this in the schedule. They play you guys. They play Washington State. They play at Utah. I mean, I, I don't, it feels like test to me. Yeah, and I, I'm going a little bit with UCLA. Everyone's not, not a lot to yeah. talk about. Those guys, they're undefeated, found a way to win, yeah, last weekend. Um, but they're going to be one to be reckoned with, uh, especially with that quarterback up and going. They can move the ball and score. The, the, a big matchup nobody's talking about, I think, is the USC defensive backs against your receivers. And those defensive backs, what I can see, they're physical, they're athletic, they're handsy, they're not afraid to get a penalty. Uh, I think they're going to come up and try to say, we're not giving you any separation, beat us. And yeah. I think it's a big challenge for your guys. That'll be, that'll be a big part of it because they're not, uh, you know, the run game they're going to start Again, I'm assuming here, but they're going to start with trying to stop that, and that puts DBs on islands. It's not too far from how we try to play. Handsy on our secondary. Length, make challenge you. We expect to see the same thing. they got some good players over there um, on that end, but we got to be able to find some balance throwing it, maybe to set up the run and vice versa. 
um, and know that it's going to be a competitive battle for four quarters. Your your run game, uh, you know, last week. What did you like? It was was it cool to be in Providence Park and kind of look around and know the history of that stadium? And it, everybody who went said it was fantastic atmosphere. Yeah, it was fun. I mean, we appreciate you know, we got a bunch of Beavers up there, and the place was packed and and loud. I know our guys enjoyed uh, the uniqueness of going up there and playing one game. I think it definitely helped that we played well and got a lead and and you know obviously won handily. And so I think it was a great night for all involved. Can you maybe help some people out? Because I heard people who said, you know, why didn't they? Why did they take their foot off the gas? Like they wanted a hundred points or something. But in your business, you know, I think it's a measure of respect that you know you you don't want to lay down for somebody, but you also don't want to embarrass somebody in a situation where you're capable of scoring more than sixty-eight points. What goes through your mind in in at the end of that game? Yeah, a couple of things. One, I mean, the fourth quarter, it really started. We put a lot of, you know, our twos in, guys that don't start games. And so those are meaningful reps for them to get the experience. They earned that through hard work. Uh, You want to continue to evaluate and suit. Some of those guys are injury away from playing a lot. So you want to give them some game experience. I mean, even early fourth quarter we were still throwing the ball i mean a lot of times when you get that kind of lead you just don't don't even throw it um i actually felt like we might have had the gas too long um because again i got a bunch of respect for the big sky you know montana state those people and, and the game was in hand that we really need to be uh keeping our foot on the gas pedal um, i thought we could found a good mix of that your your guys feel like they're sound like they're pretty locked in. Jaden Grant talks about just going one and zero, just going one and zero. But this is a conference game. This is USC. This is you know a home game in front of your crowd where you guys have been very good. Um, what does it mean to you to, to to get a good performance and play well this week? Aside from the result, just to play play your best game. Yeah, we talk a lot about having a process weekly. You know, each day is kind of get into a routine, and the process is really what is vitally important to have a chance to get the result we want on Saturdays. I go to this maturity of the team. These guys have been locked in uh, going through Tuesday, Wednesday, and now you know, tomorrow, Thursday practice, understanding that that stuff's really important. They got added. Distraction school started today. You know, guys going to class, leaving practice, getting over there. And so that, I almost feel like that's a good thing uh, because mm-hmm. there is a lot of hype about this game, being able to take a couple hours away from it, think about something different, and then hopefully uh, – you know, have your mind right when you're on the practice field and watching some tape. Now, I know we want to talk football here, but i got to ask you how you're feeling about your Dodgers this season. Yeah, feeling good, especially we get our pitching healthy. You know, <laughs> if Gonsolin can come back and, and do it. we got Trinan coming back. Uh, yeah, I'm feeling pretty good about it. My Giants are uh, 32 games behind your Dodgers, so I'm not, I'm not yeah. doing any talking. I love how you, you, you can't let go of the coach. You're you know, you start talking about the pitching rotation. You go right into coach speak, kind of about the Dodgers rotation. Oh, man. Can you be a fan? Can you just go to a sporting event and watch it, or are you always kind of playing the role of coach? Yeah, no, I can't. I mean, well, especially those two sports, baseball and football. I can be kind of a fan, but I'm still even watching basketball. I went up the Blazers a couple times. You know, strategy, timeouts, uh, how many shots a particular guy's getting versus uh, not. Uh, I am thinking about that quite a bit. Do you think it's a big deal that Aaron Judge is going to break Roger Maris's home run record as for a Yankee and he's got 60? Is that, a, is that a big deal or in today's world is 60 home runs, eh? No, I think that's a huge deal. I mean, I really do. Uh, especially the, the pitching now, there's so much about matchups and you know, different guys and health and staying yeah. healthy. I think that's a huge deal. Now, I know your kid plays baseball. Did You, you played as a kid? 
Oh, yeah, I loved it. I, I played a ton, Little League, all through high school. Um, yeah, I loved it. All right, you played USC in 2000. You beat him at Reeser Stadium. Hal Cowan, the old SID, told me you handed him the game ball as you are walking up the ramp after the game. And then uh, you saw it again 17 years later when you took the job at Oregon State as he asked you to sign it for him. Um, yeah. You know, what was that game like when you go back and you think about, you know, that was 22 years ago? Yeah, that was uh... – I can remember it being pretty early in the schedule, and after you know beating those guys, I think there was a huge jump of confidence of like actually we can do some stuff this year. It might have been like a conference opener or the fifth game of the year. I mean they were loaded. They had Carson Palmer back there throwing the ball and stuff, and the cloud the crowd was going and electric. And so I think after getting that win for that particular team in that season, that was a huge confidence boost. Like didn't Kenny Simonton run wild in that game too? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't exactly remember how many yards, whatnot. I don't think it was close to 200. The guy was going nuts. 234. I'm looking at it right now. Two, he had 234. That must have been fun. And then and settle something else for me because somebody else asked me about this. They asked me about Chad Johnson. He's, he's saying to the world that he's the best route runner who ever existed on planet Earth. Was he a good route runner or was Chad Johnson just a really good wide receiver, target, athlete out there? Yeah, no, he, he could run a route now, and he could separate. Uh, he didn't always run the correct route, but whatever route he was running, he was yeah. he was finding separation because he had that skill set. Yeah, you had Johnson, and you had TJ, and then you had Simonton. That's, that's, you had some weapons. No, no question. I can remember getting in the huddle. TJ was huge for Chad, and we had to start tagging Chad's routes because you know you got to learn this whole playbook. And in fairness to the guy, he just showed up late for one year type thing. But yeah, we'd call Trey Wright raw ninety four, and usually that'd be enough. But then you had to tag X slant, X post, X dig, <laughs> yeah. and, yeah. and of course Chad played X. Yeah, so you had to basically say, Chad, here's what you're running. The rest yep. of us know what we're doing. So there you go, <laughs> Jonathan Smith with us, Oregon State coach. Hey. Good luck to you. Uh, I know it's football, football, football all the time, but will you, sometime between now and Saturday, will you, will you step back a little bit? And, you know, do, do you get a break from studying or film or thinking about the game plan? Oh, you get toward the end of the week. Yeah, Thursdays we get home at a decent hour and hang out with the family a little bit. And that's usually the time to try to take a deep breath. You watch Thursday night football with the family yeah, or do you do yeah, something else? Yeah. Yeah, I'll have it on in the background, but try to find something else going on. I think I got carpool duty. I think all three kids have practices, so you get to go fetch them and watch the last half hour, which is great, but that's what I'll be doing around 6, 7 o'clock. All right, so whenever I do that, I have everybody wants to talk sports with me. They want to, oh, what do you think about the Blazers? What do you think about Oregon State? What do you, when you go to practice, what do they do? What do they say to you? Yeah, I, they, usually people are pretty good. Um, they'll, you know, quick question here or there but we can dive into talking about the the kids especially if I'm with the other parents yeah. there and stuff they're usually yeah. pretty good that's good all right good luck to you I will see you Saturday uh, I hope the fans show up uh, you deserve it you guys are three and0 and you got a you got, you know big time game Saturday night appreciate it John all right there's Jonathan Smith Oregon State football coach love that insight Stephen favorite part of that interview oh the Chad Johnson stuff that was <laughs> yes. that was awesome yeah, it just goes to show, like, sometimes it's all God-given, right? Like, you are just that good of an athlete where it doesn't matter if you're, you know, and it, he made the point where, you know, he came in late to the, to the team, and so it wasn't his fault, but he didn't have, even have to know the plays, and he was dominant, and he was yeah. awesome. Like, that's yeah. how good of an athlete Chad Johnson was. So I, that story was awesome.
Yeah, I love the uh, I love that they would call the play call and they would go X slant X dig like Chad. This is what you're doing, and, and then he's going for six every time. It's just like <laughs> yes. you know, like can't stop him. Yeah, Jonathan Smith's out there running around. He's got Ken Simonton behind him. You know, hand the ball to Simonton. He gets two thirty eight against USC. He's got TJ Hushmanzada on one side, who takes some pressure off Chad Johnson, and then you got Ocho Cinco out there, who's you know would go on to you know race horses. Like literally foot race against a horse and, uh, you know, declare himself as the best route runner in NFL history. I think Chad Johnson's doing that because he wants some consideration for the Hall of Fame because he knows statistically he doesn't match up with like a Terrell Owens or Randy Moss. So I think what he's trying to do by saying what a great route runner he is, he's been out talking about this for several weeks. Uh, I think he's trying to change the narrative a little bit and say, you know, he was such a good route runner. I think when I think about great route runners, I think about Jerry Rice. Okay, I think about a guy who didn't have game-breaking speed or necessarily size, but just was a fantastic receiver and a great route runner. Like Rice was precise. Chad Johnson strikes me as more of, um, hey, you know what? I'm open even when I'm not open. Throw me the ball. Yeah, like, I'll yeah, get it. Like that's the thing is like you know you look at Chad Johnson's career, great career. But even that last season he had in New England, he was still only 33 years old, where I feel like if you were that great of a route runner, maybe you could have played till you're 34, 35. Like, you would have been more productive because it wasn't all about speed and explosiveness. But, I mean, for having said all that, he was unbelievable. You look at those stats, I mean, those are just some crazy numbers he put up. It'll be a lot of fun. I, I'm looking forward to this game more than ever now on Saturday night. So if you're going to be there, Beaver fans, Jonathan Smith putting some pressure on you, says he needs you on Saturday night. Leave it here. Back to the bald-faced truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Every once in a while, I'll check my email or my messages during the show, and I got a bunch of messages here. Let's pile through them. Um, look, on the Oregon State-USC front, um, Jonathan Smith pointed this out. Several of you pointed it out. Heavy D, who's listening to the show, also pointed this out. Like Both of the defensive back groups, Oregon State and USC, both of those groups like to play physical. They like to get up on you. They like to get their hands on you. Jonathan Smith said it himself. He says, that's how we like to play. But I watched. I was watching USC, their defensive backs, closely against Fresno State. They are not afraid to get a penalty. And against Stanford, too. They're not afraid to come up. They're not afraid to get a holding penalty. They're not afraid to get a pass interference penalty. Like, that's kind of the cost of doing business, the way they play. I think it's going to be really interesting to see if Anthony Gold and Treshawn Harrison and, you know, Oregon State's smaller but good receivers can get separation against USC's bigger, more physical defensive backs. Likewise, you have some pretty talented receivers at USC, probably the most talented receiving group um, you know, that's not in the SEC, and you have some defensive backs at Oregon State that are very experienced. Oregon State's defensive backfield, you have a seventh-year senior in Jaden Grant, and you got two other players that have played significant games in Pac-12 play. So that is a major factor in the game. So, you know, Oregon State, the, the, the thing that I'm unsettled with about Oregon State in this USC game, I don't know if Oregon State's going to be able to run the ball. I don't know. I don't feel 
I don't have a feel for them right now running the football. And they've done it in spots, but they what they did to USC last year at the Coliseum was special. They put USC's defense on roller skates and just moved them. I don't know if they're going to be able to do that in this game, and I think that is a concern. Um, I also um, I also think that Chance Nolan has got to be really good in this game. You know, we've seen him. He lit up Boise State. He played really gutsy down the stretch against Fresno State. He made the plays he had to make at the end of the game. That's what good quarterbacks do. They win you a game. Chance Nolan won that game against Fresno State. You know, they made, everybody's talking about Jack Coletto running for the touchdown. Chance Nolan made the plays on that last drive. That's what good quarterbacks, good college quarterbacks do. They make those plays. They win you a game. Uh, I don't think we can really look at the Montana State game, and maybe not even the opener against Boise State, and get a whole bunch out of it because I just don't think uh, that it is a good comparison for what they're going to see against USC. But I think Chance Nolan needs to be really good. I think the Oregon State uh, – uh, wide receivers are going to have their work cut out for them. I think they need to handle the physicality of USC's secondary. And I think Oregon State has got to find a way to at least run the ball effectively. Or, as some of you have pointed out via Twitter and messages, Oregon State's got to find a reasonable facsimile of a run game using screens, short passes, stuff like that. Thoughts on the game, guys? Do you think that the Oregon State defensive backfield, which has been really good this year with Rajon Wright, Alex Austin, uh, Jaden Grant, like you talked about, are they going to be able to slow down that USC offense on that outside? We talk about the talent of the skill positions that USC has. No one's been able to stop them. No turnovers out of that offense. Can Oregon State slow down, slow them down enough where it's going to make it so the offense has to score to win? Or is that USC offense just going to be too good and Oregon State really has no chance? That's the question, right? I mean, if if you put Oregon State in a position where they've got to score more than 45, they I don't think they can do that to win this game. But I think if that defense can force USC into some long fields or some punts, force a turnover, give themselves a short field, all of a sudden – now the question is, can you run the ball enough to keep USC's defense on the field and you know keep their offense sitting on the sideline? Like that's the game right there. I, I, I feel like Oregon State will be in this game. I just I don't know enough about the run game right now. Sean, you got a feel for it. I don't have a feel for this game. I'm very confident in USC. They're even better than I thought they would be before the season. And if you guys remember, I I was pretty bullish on them before the season, and you guys were the ones that pushed back a little yeah, bit. They've I'm been really good. Uh, yeah. From what I've seen from USC so far this season, um, they they always get off the good starts. You know, like they they get the confidence going early. I watched them against Stanford. It was 14-0 in the snap of the fingers. Us, uh, you know, in the blink of an eye, I should say. Um, and then against Fresno State, I watched them walk down the field their first drive of the game. So I think Oregon State's going to be really key. It's their first hostile road environment for USC. I think it's going to be really key that you know those first couple of drives get some defensive confidence going and maybe try to try to shake it up uh, USC a little bit at the very beginning. The spread on this game, I've seen it at six and a half. I've seen it at six. I've seen it at seven. Where does it belong? I think that's right. I think it's right there, right? Six to seven. Because the thing about Oregon State is, and we talked about this, if they could run the football, they're going to be in the ball game Because that offense with Jonathan Smith, if they get that running game going, they're going to control the clock. They're going to keep the USC offense off the field. And so 
it's not out of the realm of possibility that Oregon State can do that because we saw them do it a season ago. So if they can do that again, you're right. Like, it should be a close game. I think there is very a high variance in this game where USC could win by 30, but they could also lose because Oregon State can control the clock. Yeah, six and a half, I think, is about right. Um, I, you know, I kind of like USC just because I do think this is going to be a close game. But when you have such a high-powered offense like USC, it could be a close game the whole time, and then they could score some last-minute touchdowns. You know, they could score some yeah. touchdowns at the very end of the game. Um, so it's just, it, it, Stephen's right. This game could easily be a blowout in favor of USC, or it could be close throughout the whole time, and USC can kind of put their foot on the gas at the end. So with that being said, I kind of like USC minus six and a half. But uh, you know, Oregon State could easily win this game too. I want to compare this a little bit. Like, you know, I was thinking today, forget the spread. What percentage chance does Oregon State have to win this game? Like, if you're just saying, hey, they have a, you know, if two teams are even playing in a neutral field, you'd say it was a 50-50 game. I'll use the Oregon-Georgia game as an example. I think if they play that game 100 times, Georgia wins 100 of those games. So I think Oregon has a 0% chance to beat Georgia if they play a game. Uh, n- now that I've seen them, I I feel like, Oregon State USC is about a 60-40 proposition, and I'll give the 60% to USC. I think they're the higher-ranked team. They've got more five-star talent. They've you know they got the offense, and but Oregon State's playing at home. They're very experienced. They've got some really experienced defensive backs. Uh, you know we haven't. I I'm curious how much of the playbook Jonathan Smith has held back, and you know I I think they had to try to win it. Fresno State, I don't think they were holding back in that game, but I think Boise State and I think Montana State, I don't think they had to show a whole bunch. So I'm wondering, like, you know, what don't we know about Oregon State? Have they have they not tried to do some things that they know they can do because they know it's not conference played? So I'm going to say I, I give Oregon State about a 40% chance of winning this game. Am I, am I nuts here? I think you're right about right. You know, I'd probably say it's a little less than 40, but – Again, there is a roadmap where Oregon State wins this game, and it wouldn't be surprising. So, yeah, I mean, I think there's definitely a good chance if Oregon State can follow script, they can get this win. Yeah, 30 was the number that immediately popped in my head for a percent chance. And, you know, I think an important factor is here is USC the following week. They've got Arizona State, who I think we can all agree is probably one of the worst teams in the Pac-12, especially after that firing. And then it's Washington State. So it's not like USC's got Utah the following week or Oregon or, you know, one of the juggernauts in this conference. I, I think USC's got, got all their marbles for this game. Everybody who's seen USC, like the Stanford people that I talked to before the Stanford game, they came away going, you know, Stanford moved the ball on them, but Stanford made some mistakes. They turned the ball over twice early, and USC took 14 points for that. Um, Rice moved the ball in USC, but what happened in the second half? Like in the second and third quarter, USC just boat raced Rice. I, I, they, they leave you in a position because they're so good offensively that you cannot have wasted offensive possessions. You can't kick field goals, you can't turn the ball over, and you can't punt. So if you know, in the it reminds me a little bit of Chip Kelly's Oregon's team. It's like you you could not trade them threes for sevens. It was a losing proposition. I feel like Jonathan Smith in this game, like we've criticized him and we've appreciated the gunslinger about Jonathan Smith, kind of feels like this is the game where he needs to go for it on fourth and one from midfield. He needs to go for it on fourth and two from his own 45. Like, you know, I think we might see some of that. I mean, he's been doing that since he's got to Oregon State, right? Like, I don't see why that would change. He's been going for it on fourth down a lot, which has been criticized a little bit because sometimes it hasn't worked out. 
But I, I think you're right. This is the game where, you know, you, as they'd say in the water boy, you don't hold anything back. This is the game. You don't do that, right? Oregon State wants to get this win. They want to be considered a true contender in the Pac-12. This is the game you got to go for it in 14. You got to convert them, right? You got to put the put the, uh, put the pressure on Chance Nolan and let him succeed in these situations. I, I kept thinking, too, when I was talking to him, I didn't want to insult Jonathan Smith when I was talking to him, but it was uh... – you know, it was not that long ago that they were they were not playing in games like this. And I used to, week to week, go, which game do I need to be at? Oregon's game or Oregon State's game? And there was this season early on, I think it was Jonathan's first season, maybe his second season, where I only got to see him play like one time. And because they just weren't competitive and they weren't playing in big games. I'm looking at their schedule now and... You, you have to account for Oregon State. The Pac-12 has to account for them. They're playing USC. They're 3-0 against 3-0. It's on the, you know, this game's on the Pac-12 network, unfortunately, but that, that's where it's going. But, you know, and then Oregon State's going to spin right out of this, and they're going to go to Utah in a week. Like, that's going to be another big game for Oregon State. And so it, it's almost like there's a victory before there's a victory by this program. And I'm not saying it's a moral victory. I'm just thinking in general – there is a brand victory that Oregon State should be celebrating before they even kick this game off because they're playing in a meaningful game in the early part of the season that, you know, is it feels kind of big. Like, Oregon's playing Washington State, that's big too, but it I feel like we have a lot to talk about because Oregon State got its stuff together. I think the thing that stings a little bit, and you mentioned it, it's that this game's on the Pac-12 network, and then next week is on the Pac-12 network when they go to Utah. And, like, I think the three of us know that Oregon State – is a top 25 caliber team, but you know, we've been talking about Paul Feinbaum on this show. You think he knows that Oregon state is a top 25 caliber no. team. I wish this game was on national TV or at least the Utah game, because even for me, it's going to be tough to watch. I don't have access to the PAC 12 network and Oregon state deserves more of that national attention. Yeah. Here's what Feinbaum said. And I think if I'm Oregon state, this kind of pisses me off. I'm if I'm anybody in the PAC 12, this pisses me off. I think it probably comes down to either Clemson or, or Southern Cal right now. And a couple weeks ago, she shot, I was worried about Southern Cal, but I, I'm not worried about them now. I think they basically have about a two-game season, uh, the most difficult game being at Utah, which, which I, I still think is a formidable team, but, but they're playing with, with such explosive, explosiveness. I, I didn't expect it. I mean, I thought they would be significantly better. Uh, I still, I'll, I'll, I'll defer to you on their defensive side of the ball, but but offensively right now they can hang with almost any team around. So I think uh, I, I think they they have to be considered a serious threat because I don't you know, you, uh, again uh, I see a couple of good teams in the Pac-12. The records are deceiving, but I, I don't see a team that is on their level from a talent standpoint. All right, if I'm Oregon State, you know that's that bothers me. I think Feinbaum is mostly spitting truth there, but. There's a there's an undertone that it's you got a two game season, and he's not talking about Oregon State being one of those games. Here's you know, and here's the other thing too. We get fooled, and I think Stephen, you're a master of this. You've talked about how you like to wager. You looked at you look at teams that are undervalued and overvalued, and sometimes you just bet on a game because you know you're getting a value it because somebody's undervalued or overvalued. USC right now is overvalued. Like, and why? Because they beat Rice? Because they beat Stanford? Because they beat Fresno State at home? Uh, with Jake Hayner getting hurt? I think they're overvalued a little bit here. And 
I, and I think the national media is, you know, number seven USC. I'm not sure they're the seventh best team in the country. I think we're going to find out more about them against Oregon State. We're certainly going to find out more about them on October 15th when they go to Salt Lake City and play Utah. But let's talk more about this. And the Ducks going to Washington State. 503-417-7575. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face hey, Sorry to interrupt the podcast, but... If you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.